I just, I can't listen to myself have the same conversation again, especially not with how long our conversations about this stuff are like. And one of the hardest things for me to get over was like trying to listen back to it, even in editing. When you think of stuff after the fact, it's like, oh, I should have said that or, oh, that would have been better. Or, you know, even just like, like even not that I'm as like on point as Ian with like the jokes and comedic timing and stuff like that. But even some of that is like, oh, that would have been funnier if I would have had that line or, or that thought to fit in right there. And that's the stuff that it's like, cause I have the power. It's like, should I put that in? I could, I could record myself, say the stuff I'm thinking about and put it in there, but there's no reaction to it. So how many times, how many times has Brian actually done this <laughs> where, where he, he's put zingers in on us unknown because, or at least me that I, I didn't hear. I mean, would it be a zinger though? If I edited in after the fact that there's no laughter from anyone else after that, why wouldn't you just have like notes of when we laugh to edit in? Uh, yeah, take pre-recorded laugh tracks from everybody. That would be yeah. That would be epic. Yeah. I assume that's what you've been writing down this whole time. <laughs> you could probably do a whole stand-up thing and do that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> take terrible joke after terrible joke after terrible yeah, joke, and then just have just us laughing you. Force all, you yeah. guys to laugh after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. Some I would listen to that. Put it on audacity. Make it sound like different laughs. Yeah, I would totally listen to that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Brian and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Limbick. Joining me for this episode is Captain Carnage himself, Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? Next up, we have he who achieves the rare achievements, Mike Bradley. Is that a Watchmen reference? I mean, it was as close as I could get. Okay. We are talking about I mean, Watchmen. I, I, I figured it was on brand. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it is on brand. I'm just usually in, used to being insulted by this, <laughs> so... Uh, Mark today on the you. calendar. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, and finally, founding member of the Zack Snyder Revival Club, Ian Leidick. Hey guys, um, if right now if you go to Kindle Unlimited, you can pick up my book, Mirthful Combat and Other Fun Riddles, written by the Riddle King, Ian Leidick. That is free on Kindle Unlimited. So wait, you're the Riddle King now? You have another nickname? Yes, I'm the Riddle King, Ian Leidick. <laughs> it kind of rolls off the riddled- tongue. I kind of like it. it. Thank you. I wanted to be Riddle God King, but like you said, they thought it went too long. <laughs> Had to hit those right syllables and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Um, all right, so as I'm, I've been trying to do and, and make it a point to bring up every time we record now, uh, before we get into anything, anything that anyone would like to plug or promote? And it's more directed to Ian and, and Mike, because I know you guys have stuff going on outside of the show. Hey, what the hell, man? <laughs> Truth be told, you know that's true. Come on, <laughs> just slap me in my face just now. Well, Andy, what else? What do you got? Give me. Oh, I don't have anything. It's just like <laughs> I'm still insulted. <laughs> that's why I didn't lead with, "Hey, do Ian and Mike have anything to promote?" I said, "Does anyone?" He did give me a chance. You didn't. You didn't hop in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. You can always watch the Twitch channel, Rare Achievements, twitch.tv slash Rare Achievements. Ian and I will be on there next Tuesday 
discussing a bunch of the game reveals that have happened at the end of the year here. Uh, mostly from the Game Awards, but uh, some not. And that'll be Tuesday... I don't... What day of the... What? The 12th. The 12th. Yeah, so the uh, day Tuesday after the this probably drops. Yeah, this it should be right yes. after this, hopefully. So Tuesday the 12th at 7 p.m. You can hop in and watch Eastern. that. Eastern. Yeah. Make it a 5 GMT. <laughs> That's... He, he's not wrong. Um, you can check that out. I've got some new YouTube videos going up on the YouTube channel. Uh, the New Year content got kind of stalled by some... Uh, computer problems had some crashes and issues like that we're back on track and i'll have some new videos going up kind of doing some fun weird stuff with uh pokemon and uh gonna be doing some other fun videos coming up so be sure to check those out and yeah that's it that's a good bit but cool thank you ian what do you got anything i want you to go to link tr.ee slash jadedoll to find the Twitter and Twitch page for one of my favorite VTubers, Jadedoll. Jadedoll is always playing the hottest new games and pony noobs at Apex Legends and always having a super fun time. That's linktr.ee slash jadedoll. So I guess I didn't think that you would just plug someone else's stuff. I kind of figured you'd plug your own <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I mean, for all you know, I am that VTuber and this is my disguise and I am a watchman, as you would say. Fair point. I, I cannot. I have seen your VTuber setup. I was impressed. <laughs> We've evolved. Well, I someone else may have evolved to having a more impressive setup. Because I is don't that VTube. The tease to check out the channel <laughs> to see if that person is on that channel. I would. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, fair I'd enough. Simp. Andy, last call. Anything to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Druid seventy nine. T H E D R E W I D seven nine. Nice. See, you do have something. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he drinks a lot of interesting beers. You can... Yeah, you can check out what I drank last, <laughs> and all the you achievements can totally you know what Andy's loaded and what what achievements I get when, on PlayStation. When Fifteen of those things pop up in one night. You're like, well, Andy's Andy had loaded. A, yeah, he had a good night. <laughs> Andy had a good night. That's the time you tweet him when you see fifteen beers in a row coming up on his Twitter feed. That's yeah. when you start asking him all the questions. Uh, all right, so also uh, just a little bit of like a, a PSA house cleaning thing for the podcast. Uh, I made this post on Facebook today too. So for anyone that's sort of followed the podcast for the past couple of years knows that usually around uh, this time of year, end of the year, beginning of the new year, we sort of have a couple traditional episodes that we've been doing, uh, which is our top 10 favorite movies of the past year and top 10 most anticipated for the next year. And Frankly, I mean, these are still some of my favorite episode episodes to do, to record, and, you know, make our lists and compare it with these guys. But it, it was a thought I had. We were tossing it back and forth whether or not we should do it. It seemed like most of us have not seen enough movies this year to make a top tens list. And I still disagree. You are the one. You are the outlier, <laughs> for sure. Uh, and since the majority of the movies that were due out this year, or I guess last year, due out in 2020, all got delayed until 2021, most of our most anticipated lists didn't see a lot of changes there either. So we decided to skip them for this time. Uh, hopefully sometime in 2021 we can get back to some sort of normalcy. Movies will release in theaters that are safe to visit. We'll be able to come back with those lists around this time next year. So just in case you were wondering where those episodes are, you're not missing them. We just took a rain check on them this year. We're going to try to get back to them hopefully next year. And don't worry, guys. Next year will be top 20 on both. 
It'll be a that will be a four hour live podcast that we probably try to do for something. I I think the list. Episodes, are you kidding me? The normal ones are usually four hours. I know, but I I, I can I, barely I, fill out ten, let alone <laughs> fucking twenty. Are you, are you kidding me? Twenty? Well, with all the movies that are going to come out next year, I mean, with everything being delayed, they're just going to mash everything there into is, one year. Yeah, there's probably Andy. Be a just lot. copy me. It's going to alternate Snyder Cut and Dune just for all twenty. <laughs> <laughs> if Dune even comes out next year. Yeah, it's I think legendaries with what legendaries doing. Who knows? Still, oh, yeah, they're like suing them or something, right? For their yeah. rights to distribute. Yeah. So we're still we're waiting to see Godzilla. how that pans it's, out. It's Godzilla and Dune. They're doing that with, right? Those are the two big yeah. ones on the list. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's because it's legendary. That's why legendary is the one that's making the big fuss with the loss. Right. Right. But I don't know if legendary has other movies that were planned to come out through HBO Max, and those are just the two main ones that everyone is has their eyes oh. on. Those are the two big budget ones for right. sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're supposed to, you know, it's part of the selling point for HBO Max that they're going to be on their service. And now Legendary's like, no, 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 hang on. So it'll be, it'll be fun that they promote, you know, they put out this trailer for them being on the service and then they, they lose the lawsuit and they're not there anymore. But anyway, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, as for this episode, so you may have guessed from the, from the title, if you are listening this far already, we are doing Rewind Theater for Watchmen. Uh, so if you're new to this series of episodes, basically it's an excuse for us to go back, revisit some old comic book movies that we have either haven't seen or haven't seen for a while. Uh, we curated a pretty expansive list of movies to watch, so I'm sure it'll take some time to get through. Uh, but to take some pressure off of us and to decide what we watch next, we leave it up to The Wheel of Fate to pick what we are watching. The Wheel will also feature, always feature two franchises and four standalone movies at a time. So at the end of the episode, we will spin the wheel to see what we're watching next. So at the end of our previous episode for Cowboys and Aliens, the wheels landed on Watchmen, so this is what we're watching. Uh, and in case you're wondering which version we are watching, this after some discussion, uh, we went with the theatrical cut, not the ultimate cut for this movie, only because the theatrical cut was easier for, ac- easier for everyone to access. We all basically had access to HBO Max. That was what was on that service. They do not have the ultimate cut on HBO Max, so we were... Relegated to the theatrical cut. Um, the other thing, actually, we tried to do last time for Rewind Theater was sort of play around with the format a bit. Uh, so we added some stuff in there. We're going to try to start with uh, some of the comic book history. And then we'll talk about some of the people that involved with translating that comic book into a movie. Uh, we'll cover the co- cover the budgets, box office gross ratings, uh, whether this movie is a first time watch or rewatch for everybody. Uh, we've got something else we're trying Again, we started last week. Ian kind of killed it, and we're going to see how he does this year, this time. Uh, But we have a 60 second summary. Uh, So, again, Ian Ian had us with a rap, hit us with a rap last time. So, we're going to see how this goes this time. Uh, And then we'll get into our discussion where we cover five categories directing, characters and story, uh, sorry, characters and actors, story, soundtrack, and then special effects and explosions. Last time we started with a 10-minute timer for each of those tomic- topics, and that seemed to keep things moving. So we're going to keep that in effect. Um, and I know, Ian, you're excited for this one, but I'm begging you, please do not take up the entire 10 minutes of all of these categories. I think, I, you know, the same goes for Mike, too. You guys, calm down. I have 40 minutes dedicated <laughs> to Charlton Comics. <laughs> I figured you would. What is it? Oh, see, Charlton it's a good thing Comics you asked, because the... that's... Is the property that originally the superheroes for Watchmen were going to come from, 
but there was a legal falling out, so they used the original superheroes instead of Tarleton characters. And Josh actually, I think, is supposed to cover some of that stuff in his comic book background. So what we're going to do... We just got cucked! (laughs) Oh, my. Is that a fake? Is that what you're going to say it now? Cuck King! (laughs) Yeah, hashtag Cuck King. (laughs) That's your new shirt right there, buddy. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to wait a while so I don't have to give you any credit for it. (laughs) Uh, and on the back, you just got cucked. <laughs> Fuck, you're too good at this. You need your own store. <laughs> that, that shirt better be on the store by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> just get a send one to Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Cut this part so he doesn't know why he got it. <laughs> no, but I'll leave it in for him because it'll be a fun little Easter egg that he can constantly re- remind you about from here on out. Ian, where's my shirt? Ian, where's my shirt? <laughs> I want that shirt reminding me how I got cut. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I'd make a shirt about the cuck shirt. Like, I didn't even make get my shirt cuck shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he loved listening to this. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah, so if you can't tell, Josh is not here, but he did uh, record his pre recorded um, comic book background uh, information that he got to. So. We're going to throw it to Josh for a little bit here so he can fill us in. Hello, listeners, and welcome to History Class. Today we are talking about The Watchmen. Uh, the Watchmen is an American comic book miniseries by British creators uh, and published by DC Comics between 1986 and 1987. Uh, its main author, Alan Moore, is joined by the artist Dave Gibbons and colorist John Higgins. Now, to figure out how we get to the Watchmen story, we actually have to uh, go back a little bit further. In 1983, DC Comics acquired the rights to most of the superhero characters from Charlton Comics. Uh, some of these characters included Captain Adam, which, were, uh, which was co-created by Joe Gill and Steve Ditko. Ever heard of them? Uh, along with the Blue Beetle, the Question, and uh, someone you may have heard of recently called the Peacemaker. Uh, Moore had a proposal that he put together and took to his editor, and he wanted to use a lot of these newly acquired characters. Um, And what he came up with was a story which he submitted, and uh, it was called Who Killed the Peacemaker? Now, at the time, DC's managing editor, Dick Giordano, uh, who was also uh, formerly from Charlton Comics, tells more that uh, go ahead and develop the story move forward but you know what instead of using uh these characters that we just recently got um make up you know original characters this way depending on how you decide to treat them um we don't have to worry about any continuity in the future if we want to dis- uh, decide to use um you know these other folks that we that we just picked up so more basically adapts the story in in a way that seems like who the characters are, what their names are, aren't really all that important. Uh, at least that's how it comes off to me. Um, the the story itself, you just need people with uh, maybe you know certain abilities to be the stand-ins for each of them. So in uh, the translation uh, from you know Moore's outline, the peacemaker became the comedian. Captain Adam becomes Doctor Manhattan. Uh, not directly from the prior acquisition, but I think it's easy to see how someone like Batman becomes the Night Owl. Um, 
later on uh, in 2012, a 37 issue prequel miniseries was published called Before Watchmen. Uh, through 2017 and uh, throughout 2019, a 12-issue sequel miniseries called Doomsday Clock was published. Uh, as many people know, in uh, the fall of 2019, an HBO live-action series aired, uh, which acted as a sequel of sorts to the uh, to the original material. And from there, DC began publishing a comic continuation from that story. Uh, in the fall of 2020, called Rorschach. So, thank you, and class dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Josh, for the rundown. Uh, Ian, does your your said the legal troubles that they had had does that fit somewhere in Josh's history? I probably just misremembering why they couldn't use them, but that might you know it might just be like, hey, hold off on it. But I do know they did use the Charlton comics characters later on for 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths which is probably the standard bearer for modern superhero crossovers. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, which is kind of funny. It's like, we're going to either be used in Watchmen, one of the most seminal comic books of our time, or Crisis on Infinite Earths, the major crossover of its time. Yeah. So it's kind of weird that these superheroes from a failed comic book, like, creator, like creation studio, basically we're going to get thrust into something huge. Yeah, either way. It's a win-win. Also, like, the, the names, it's just Captain Adam. Like, it's just, you know, they're just so oldie names, which I guess is part of, like, the Watchmen thing being, I think, kind of a parody of, like, Bronze Silver Age superheroes. And those guys sound like Bronze Silver Age superheroes. Yeah. Um, has anyone read the Watchmen comic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. Negative. Yeah, I have not either. Um, all right, so you, Mike and Ian, you guys are going to sort of be my like experts on this one. You're going to have to no. fill me in on all the stuff that we're missing from the movie to the comics. I mean, I didn't reread it for the show, but... Well, I mean, okay, so anything you can pull from memory <laughs> then, that's fine. You still have more experience with it than I do. So yeah. There's only one real big one I can think of. Okay, is that something we'll sort of cover whenever we get into discussion? It's just the difference in the endings. Okay. Um, So comic book Watchmen, we're translating it to 2009's Watchmen, directed by Ian's close personal friend, Zack Snyder. Yes. Uh, it was written by David Hayter and Alex C. T-S-E. Uh, neither of those writers are really familiar to me, uh, but Hayter is listed as having writing credits on X-Men and X2. So he did write some other okay. comic book movies. Uh, the movie stars... Is it, I never remember how to pronounce her name. Malin or Malin? Malin? Malin Ackerman? I, I, I always said Malin. Okay. I'm going to, every, I, you know, it, it, it's par for the course. Every time I get to people's names, I just have to butcher everybody. So chances are I'm going to screw up all of these names. So Malin Ackerman, uh, Billy Crudup, Matthew Good, Jack or, Jackie Earl Haley, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Patrick Wilson, uh, Carla Gugino, right? Gugino. Gugino, yeah. Um, those are the a lot of the major players. In case I missed anybody else, I did not list all of IMDb's actress, actors and actresses on this movie. I want to go back real quick, though, yeah. to David Hayter. Not only is, does he do this, the screenplay for Watchmen, he's also the voice of Solid Snake for Metal Gear Solid and several really? other Snake characters. Yes. I did not know that. See, look at that. You learn something new every day. 
Uh, all right, so that's what surprised me. I was like, "That's the same guy." <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, that's even that's weird. I did not. That's a weird kind of connection there. Um, all right. So, any guesses for film's budget for two thousand nine? One fifty. Andy. One seven five. Ian. One sixty five. Mike was closest. One hundred thirty. Mm. So it's lower than we think. Yeah. Not a lot of high-paid actors in there. Yeah, true. Uh, so, all right, so at least for, not for that time. For a $130 million film, how much do you think it made at the worldwide box office? $3 trillion. <laughs> <laughs> Not how not much it should it have made. It how much did it make? I answered the question correctly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy, what do you got? Four f- uh, I'm going to say 200 Mike? Four fifty. Four hundred and fifty million? Uh Andy was closest. Hundred and eighty five million. Oof. So a hundred and thirty million dollar budget, it only made a hundred and eighty five. Which is I felt like I kind of feel like that's low. Like I think I expected more. Yeah. But it was R rated. So I, I don't think uh, that true, was... true. I forgot about that part. And it was when I was thinking when I was when thinking was of budget, I forgot. Oh nine. Two thousand nine, yeah. So that's still kind of before the big superhero boom, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right at the bud. Two thousand eight was Iron Man, right? Yeah. So, uh, so it did. It did make one hundred seven million domestic. Seventy eight million came international, so it did make more domestically. Um, that makes sense. Rotten Tomatoes ratings, critic rating is sixty five percent, audience is seventy one percent. Metacritic scores, the meta score is 56, user score 8.1. So how do we feel about those scores? Agree, All disagree. four scores are fantastically low. <laughs> yeah, I was, I mean, in the rare case, I agree with Ian. Uh, that 8.1 from Metacritic seems to be the, like, the highest, so it's the closest, That, but that's the only reason it's the closest to accurate, I feel. Yeah. Andy, where do you stand? Just because it is the highest, but. Um, I think they're probably not too far off. I, I'd, pro- I'd probably, me personally, give it higher, but. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, and we'll get into the specifics and stuff like that whenever we get to the discussion, but I was sort of texting Ian as I was watching this and I'm like, I'm, I've, I, I remember seeing pieces of this movie and I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing is just one movie and i was surprised how much i really like this so i'm leaning towards mike i think i think the scores to me seem low i th- I think it, like the user score 8.1 is obviously more where i'd fall because i think i'm going to rate this pretty high after all this so uh i sort of answered this question for me but first time viewing or rewatch for everybody rewatch <laughs> rewatch rewatch okay yeah, I think I like I remember seeing pieces probably like on TV and it's like one of those things where like every time it was on is like, OK, I'll try to watch it. But I never caught it at the beginning and I never ended up catching the end because it, it, you know, with commercials, this movie is probably three and a half, four hours on television and I would just never yeah. sit there and watch all of it. So I'd, I'd seen pieces, but never the whole thing. So I was actually happy to sit down and watch the whole thing. And it honestly wouldn't play well on like a censored television format, right? Like on USA or TNT or whatever the hell it might have been on. It it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Some R-rated movies can do it, but like 
in the same thing like in the comic book realm, I feel like you'd have the same problem watching like Sin City like on TV. Yeah, yeah right. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's that's another or one. Three hundred. It's probably actually both of those are probably ones that I've uh, now come to think of it. I don't think I've seen a lot of Zack Snyder movies like in the theater. I actually think the first one I probably sat down and watched in the theater was Sucker Punch. Well, you is... made a good choice because you saw a Zack Snyder film. In the <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, Man you of may Steel... you may have seen the worst Zack Snyder film, but you still right. went out for a Zack Snyder. Yeah, film. I mean that's the problem is one of them has to be the worst. <laughs> I mean we're gonna have differing opinions on other Zack Snyder films, but. At least we're in agreement that Sucker Punch is his worst. That yeah, I think I'd agree with that as well. Out of the ones that I've seen, at least at least completely seen, other than pieces of them. I have to rewatch Dawn of the Dead to make sure I agree. So that's one I still actually like. Yeah, I, well, I guess that's I not on that above most everything else he's done except for this. Yeah. Um, all right, so it's uh, that time of the show where we're going to get into the discussion into the discussion portion. Uh, since we'll be discussing everything in the movie, I'm going to throw out the spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen Watchmen and don't want spoiled, pause us now. Come back to us after watching the movie. Or if you'd rather just keep listening just to listen to Ian's 60-second summary, that's fine too. Either way, <laughs> spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so with the, our new format, I guess this seems like a good way to kick off being into our spoiler territory is to start with a 60-second summary with this movie. Uh, and with this being a movie directed by Ian's close personal friend, Zack Snyder, he's got the summary for this one. So I, I can't remember if it was by choice or if we all just kind of assumed that you were doing this one after the last one. But either way, Ian, you've got 60 seconds on the clock. The floor is yours. This season, 2.0. This is for you, Zack. And Vlad Nixon dead, catch the knife, catch the power. Laughing man, pump full of lead. Montage leading us to the stars. Nixon or the commies? God, who we choosing? Man, time is a memory. It's the Viet Cong we abuse it. Now it's our time. Does he have the energy? It's all about the American dream. How we wasted the blue man. Superman let loose that beam. Preemptive strike is the American dream. Ayatollah, Ayatollah, let's set loose on the pharaoh. Wiggity whack, you got trapped. Our man shoot an arrow. Final solution is set in motion. Birds of a feather having an affair. Our man got this notion. Can't let go of his emotion. Look up my work, she mighty in despair. The boys are back in town. We muse on the red planet. It's the apocalypse sit down last night. A comedian died in this town. Oh! Peace season. Love you, Zach. <laughs> What's with the barking at the end? <laughs> you just get in the mood. <laughs> it just comes out. After all I the didn't rapping, mean to bark, just... I just barked, you know? Rawr, rawr. <laughs> <laughs> fucking I love you, Zach, just in the middle of the game. It's just fucking... I hope he hears that. I really do. <laughs> and yeah. the reverb hope he sees this, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. You should just tweet that at him, just for the hell of it. <laughs> just that part, though. Yeah. Just the I love you, Zach. <laughs> you don't know what this is from, but uh, I love you, Zach. Throw in my link tree beneath it. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, you know, I I don't even know how to comment on any of these that you've done so far because they're they're still beyond my expectations. <laughs> I'm I guess I'm happy to hear that. It's going to be like I you know, it's going to be really funny if someone else tries to do this that's not you. Like Ian and and Mike or uh Mike and Andy, 
if you guys are up to bat for the 60 second summary at all would you be rapping or are we just gonna get a 60 no. second summary from <laughs> you guys you're getting literally a 60 second summary <laughs> uh, I, i'm not i'm not creative enough for that that's that's about what i expect i've already told you and i'm not rapping so if it's ever me it's just flat out boring 60 second summary I maybe, might maybe be able do to do that. a song, but I'm definitely not rapping. <laughs> well, what is that? The deaf, deaf poetry? Maybe, maybe I'll do some deaf poetry. <laughs> there you go. Instead, <laughs> you know. I had a recording of this that was more deaf jam poetry than rapping, so I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're into the topics now. Uh, so again, five topics: direction, story. Actors and characters, soundtrack, special effects and explosions. Ten minutes on each topic. Uh, does anyone have any preference where we start? Explosions. All right, special effects and explosions. <laughs> Ten minutes on the clock. Mike, you got it? You're up. All right. Um, I'm going to say, first of all, we've got the best explosion that we've had in any movie yet. Um, and that is um, Night Owl's explosion. Um, that causes the flamethrower to go off, although she presses the button, but that's it's all the same. Um what's what's the name of the, the ship? Archimedes. Archimedes. Archimedes, yeah. So that that explosion there, you know, they're having their sex scene and all that, and it was like, oh <laughs> Zach made a ejaculation joke. That's I like it. And we got that. Um But also I thought you were talking about the first time she used the fire button. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah, the the no. first time's when she catches the rails on fire. Yeah, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm yeah, I know. I the... picked up on that when you, when you made the cum reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. Um, but we also, <laughs> we also get, um, you know, at the end, you have the big giants, Dr. Manhattan, well, fake Dr. Manhattan explosion. Um, that was pretty cool. It was decent. And then throughout the whole movie, you've got Dr. Manhattan just exploding people, which also pretty cool. Yeah. Um, which, the one scene where they show, like, the result of it and, like, the body just hanging in goop on the ceiling. Yeah. was nice. I liked it. Is that all you got? Um, <laughs> you got more. Well, I mean, I I could also say Rorschach happens to explode into an ink blot himself. You know, when that happens, that's a very cool shot, very cool thing. So, and what did you see? Blood on the snow. That's not a very creative. <laughs> I Writing didn't down. think about what I saw in it, but yeah. I saw some pretty flowers. Oh, well. That works. It's a reference yeah. to the movie. Yeah, at least you didn't see your mother um, selling herself. So that's... Because that's what he actually sees in the one Rorschach test. Correct. <laughs> I, I don't... I, I, somebody go with explosions here. I don't... I, I, I Cool explosions. There's lots of them. Yes, I... All right, Ian, explosions. What do you got? So in this movie... Dr. Manhattan explodes all of the nouns. P 
people, places, and things. They are all <laughs> badass. These were very badass explosions. This is the 10 out of 10 explosion movie. Every explosion is high-key amazing. I loved everything they did with the explosions. The explosions at the end blowing up New York City. Fuck New York City. I wish it exploded like that in real life just because it was that damn cool. Fuck you, New York. So this movie had some badass explosions all around. Dr. Manhattan looked cool as fuck throughout the movie, special effects-wise. He just... He felt omnipresent. He felt bigger than the screen. Uh, Zach did an amazing job bringing that character to life. Rorschach's mask was a true testament to movie magic. I really felt like the mask was alive, and it was very impressive to see that translation from the implied movement in the comics to actually seeing it move on screen. Now, one of the big things Zach Sned after uh, shooting 300, which was filmed all on green screens, is for this movie, he wanted to have less of a reliance on green screens, which you can clearly see not much of it is shot on a green screen, which would does make this movie the first movie ever to be filmed on Mars. <laughs> that wasn't green screen. They shot on location. <laughs> Suck it, Elon. Zach, beat your ass. I, I think all around the special effects were amazing the costumes looked fan fucking tastic they all felt correct especially when you went back to the Minutemen the original heroes from by I believe it would have been post World War II they felt old timey they felt like they were made out of rougher material because there wasn't even that 80s technology yet uh, Zach this is Zach's greatest film I think and it shows what a master he is of bringing pages to life when he's working with something set like this and you can see throughout this film every effect he brought a comic book literally to life it's it's one of the most amazing works done by the greatest director of our millennium <laughs> wow okay i mean what did you expect from from ian's review for this movie i mean this is this is on I mean, par this millennium's only 20 years old though let's not get too far ahead. <laughs> That's going to be alive for the rest of it. <laughs> um, I agree with uh, Doctor Manhattan looking very awesome, and I agree with uh, Mike about like um. I believe he said something about the explosions and Archimedes and stuff. I liked all that. My favorite parts were the like almost gang fight scenes that uh night owl and um uh what was her name silk specter had like when they were in their like civilian clothes i thoroughly enjoyed them fighting the gang in some of the broken bone oh um, yeah those were those were fuck. fantastic uh special effects there like actually like made you cringe like ooh, mm -hmm. oh man so um those were my favorite parts of of the special effects i think yeah, I thought uh, I was I'd on like, life leak for those scenes. I'm not sure if special effects would go into um, the uh, choreography of the fights. I don't know what category we would put. Kinda. But okay. if you want it to be, just keep talking and no one will stop you. Yeah, yeah we got four <laughs> minutes on the clock. I feel like direction could be okay. a little bit longer. The, so I, I, I really enjoyed the choreography of the fights, considering that these were like um, superheroes. You know, it was really interesting to see how they reacted in like a, a gang fight you know what like batman or or uh, superman or somebody would do when they're have all these people around them it was interesting to see superheroes that we're not familiar with yeah do, doing things and quite frankly probably very very out of practice yeah did it. <laughs> so 
I, I also like that you get to see in that moment what it would really be like when superheroes fought normal people. Right. Something that would just be a punch broke your legs. You know, something that wouldn't be fatal to you, but it's from a superhero, so yeah, you just got crunched. Seeing things like that, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of, this came out long before Logan, but it's kind of like that idea of like, what would happen if Wolverine was actually slashing people? Yeah. This is what happens when superheroes actually fight people, and it's very visceral and it's very real as to what would happen if people like this actually got into a fist fight. Yeah. And they established it early on by showing that when the comedian is in his death scene, his punch, the first punch thrown in the movie literally breaks the wall. Yeah. 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 He gets thrown through a quartz countertop. Like, and a tempered glass, glass yeah. window. <laughs> yeah. Like,. And like that goes on like the with the slowdown when Adrian is the assassination attempt on Adrian, just like they did a great job of conveying, like the, not only can he move fast, but his mind it worked to counter the attack. Yeah. I think that slowdown did a great job of illustrating Adrian's power, and I think that's really tough to do. Like I think like the Flash is one of the hardest heroes I think to show how cool he is in film, because that's just such a hard translation. Quicksilver has the same issue. Yeah. And I think that they did a great job in this with um, Adrian. They did. And I mean, this is, you got to remember, this is before what they did in the X-Men movies with Quicksilver. Yep. And those two awesome scenes that they did, this came a long time before them in terms of conveying that speed. And it, it was not to mention in the scene, you get to see Lee Iacocca get shot in the face. That's kind of (laughs) nice, but, um, also, just you know, having uh, that the the impact. I think I- at the end of it, when it comes back to normal speed, when he swings that, I I don't know what you call those things that hold like the the velvet rope. You know, yeah, the velvet rope holder. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. It has a name, I'm sure. I don't know what it is, but when he swings that and it comes back to normal speed. I mean, that falls under special effects because that's awesome. Like, that's a visual effect that they conveyed, and I guess coming back to normal speed made it even hit that much harder. I also liked... uh, um, Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, No, I was just going to echo a lot of what you guys said. I think the the, uh, explosions all look good. Nothing nothing stuck out to me of, like, oh, that was a pitiful explosion. Everything was cool. Um what Ian was saying about like costume design and how everything looked in the film, I think special effects wise looked like any computer graphics, like even 10 years later still hold up. I think everything looked great. Um, the, the gruesome fight scene in the alley was a little bit over the top for me. Like that's the stuff where I'm like, I get twitchy with when we watch this kind of stuff where I'm like, I don't need that. Like, but you know, it's there. Fine. It looked great. I was looking away most of the time, but it was there. It worked. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. There, I have nothing new to add other than say like, yes, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, but Andy, do you have a last thing? Yeah, uh, I did like Adrian's pet at the end. I thought they did a good job of sort of CGing him in there. Oh yeah, Manhattan. Manhattan looked awesome. That was what I was going to echo too. Yes. Uh, I thought you were right. calling the cat Manhattan. I was like, did you watch the no, movie? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything else? Uh, or sorry. Next uh, topic. Where do we want to go from here? Soundtrack, actors, characters, story, or direction? 
Do soundtrack. All right, Ian, soundtrack to yours. This is one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. <laughs> Zack Snyder filled every little bit when there was a lull in the action with the perfect song. He may have played the hits, but he knew what he was doing with them. He used Hallelujah to perfection. He used <clears throat> so much of this. The, these songs were goddamn perfect, and it was one of the greatest, I want to say the greatest uh, co- combination of film and music we've probably ever seen. Can I um, hop in here as one of the comic book experts on this? I believe Hallelujah is the only song he inserted that was not directly mentioned in the comic book is playing over a scene. Um, so th- there's a thing that the comic book does when you read it. The, the books actually show you like songs that will be playing. Like it actually says, like in the background, this is playing, and it like it tells you what music you can hear. Okay, and it, 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 the soundtrack still rings through is great. Zach made the right choice by using it. I I just I don't necessarily give the credit to Zack Snyder on the soundtrack <laughs> that he does, <laughs> since Alan Moore kind of put the soundtrack together and um even overlaid it on the scenes. Um, Fair. That you see them show up, that you see it show up for in the comic books, but like Ian said, it is one of the better soundtracks you're ever going to hear. Um, for a movie, it's fantastic. The songs are great; they're used great. You know, using Dylan and the times they are a changing at the beginning for that opening montage—that's a Snyder thing. That would—that's the other one, actually. He, I think Moore used it in the book, but didn't do a montage. Obviously, that's on the comic book thing. But using it in that context uh, really worked well. It it echoed what you were seeing kind of very, very well. Um, and then even the things that weren't uh, what we'd call popular music, that's more orchestral stuff playing in the background over certain scenes, um, kind of lay the mood very subtly. It's It's there, but it's not as in your face as, you know, the pop songs that you're more familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Andy. Um, if we're going by like the orchestrated bits of the movie, I didn't really notice much in that aspect. Nothing like stood out. There wasn't any hook there for me, but I do like the assortment of music that they like popular music that they had playing during the scenes that, that, sort of made some of the scenes pretty special in my opinion. Okay. Anything else or was that it? Uh that's about it. Okay. Uh yeah, I I think the orchestra stuff to me sort of like what Andy said. I think it it didn't stick out to me. So which to me automatically is just like okay, it was fine. Like that it did its job. It didn't distract from anything. It didn't really like hook me with anything or or really memorable to me. Uh, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. The uh, the like the pop tunes and stuff that they put in there, the the stuff you're supposed to recognize, that's the stuff that stood out to me. And I guess I'm in the minority here. That was distracting to me. I don't know if it was just the the way they were used or or what. But every time one of the songs dropped, it just felt like it was trying too hard and was really on the nose for me and started pulling me out of the movie. Well, that is one thing that I did not like about the soundtrack is the the songs were so much louder than every other thing. And maybe that was what was just like I had to like turn the volume. I felt like I had to turn the volume down for the songs. And as soon as the song was out, I'd turn the volume back up to hear anybody talking. 
and it annoys me when their movies are like that. So maybe that was more of it. It's like the it was just so in your face when the music was playing that it distracted yeah. me. Yeah. Did you both watch this on HBO Max? Yes. Yes. Okay, I, I did not, and I didn't have that issue, so I wonder if it's just mixed differently on there for some reason. Oh, maybe. Like, I, okay. I didn't have to adjust my volume at all at any point. I mean, I, what I can say about HBO Max, I don't know if it's my TV or if it's the app itself, but it's generally a lot softer. So I have to turn things up a lot to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I when I watch HBO Max or Disney+, Plus, they both do it. It has to be, like, I have to turn the volume up higher than normal to get it to that normal level. I don't know why that is, but... I mean, I think that was part of it. too specifically. I think, yeah, the, when Andy sort of reminded me, yes, they are very loud, and I think that's part of it for me. But I also think just, like, the... I don't know. There's It's a tough thing, because, like, songs in movies, like, I feel like they're meant to draw attention to stuff. But this, I don't know, some of these, like... And now I can't think of a specific example now that I'm trying to think about it, but... I felt like the song choice, every time they, they needle dropped something, the lyrics seem to be so on the nose for what is happening that, that it, it it takes away the subtlety of what I feel like they're trying to do whenever people try to put music in movies. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe I'm missing the whole thing. Maybe the whole thing is the music isn't supposed to be subtle at that point, and that's why. So maybe it's doing its job. It's just not what I expected or wanted in the movie. I don't know. It's hard for me to put a finger on like what bothered me, but it it just stuck out to me in some way. I know we get it. You don't understand Zach's vision. It's fine. Not everyone can appreciate it. <laughs> I d- yeah, I definitely will admit that I do not get into it as much as you do. So that is for sure true. I mean, this was probably one of the best uses of Ride of the Valkyries ever. Agreed. Which sequence was that? I actually have that as part of my notes. No, I can't remember. In Vietnam. Oh when yeah. When... Okay. Giant Doctor Manhattan coming down upon everybody yeah i'll give you that one yeah and this was also long enough ago that i like um sound of silence wasn't didn't feel wrong like now i can't use that because it's way too often (laughs) it's it's literally a meme now like it's literally a meme to use it (laughs) but it wasn't in 2009 we didn't even and even further back in 1980, was it six or seven when that comic book would have been wrote when Moore put it in the book? It was not at all that. So. Well, I think, you know, part of this too for they, me. They, he beat the beat the bus on that. One. Is I think like coming back to this after the fact, like we've mm-hmm. been talking about Snyder's Justice League cut, which we've seen two different trailers for it now. Both trailers feature that Hallelujah song. So when it plays in this movie, yeah. that already is like, okay, well, that's from the, the BVS stuff, or the, yeah, the uh, Justice League stuff. And it's already associated with me for that. And I felt like it was, I don't know, again, too on the nose for the for that trailer. And then it's in this movie sort of trying to do the same thing. So I don't know. To me, it was, it was again, distracting is the only word that I can think I... of for me, but. I don't like that Zach reused it in the trailer, but I felt like it fit well in this movie. And that's the thing. I don't had like I, that he reused it. Had I seen you this movie mean? first, like, you know, years ago when it came out or something, and then seen it in the trailer for Justice League, maybe I wouldn't feel that way, but... Sure. Uh, all right, last call for soundtrack stuff. Anything? No. Uh, Andy, where do you want to go next? Direction, story, or characters? Uh, let's go with characters. All right, characters is yours. Uh, my favorite character, I think, in the movie is Night Owl. 
2, the second one. The younger one. The one that didn't write the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, Daniel. I don't know. I, I like his arc. I like how he's sort of like mild-mannered. And at, and at the end, he's, he's very not <laughs> mild-mannered. You know, he's... um. You know, he's sort of aggressive with Adrian and he's like, he's like, what the fuck? What is happening? Like, let's try and end this. Even though he knows that he's, he and Rorschach are sort of going to their own demise, most likely. They, he still goes anyways, and I, I enjoy that. I feel like the number of fucks he gives just keeps going down as the movie goes on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Like all the characters, he has a great story arc in this film. Like he really starts off as just this retired guy, and then increasingly develops into caring more and more about the world happening around him, and then getting caught up in this young woman, and now goes from saving people out of a burning building to breaking into a prison to trying to stop the end of the world. And I think it's great because they they cast the perfect person and made it look really well, where he literally does look like a impotent middle aged Clark Kent. <laughs> He does, yeah. And he did a good job. I, I I love that scene when he when she shows up to dinner and he's like just cleaning his glasses and they did that. It's a classic scene for movies. Like it's been done so many times and he puts his glasses on. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> and it, it just it it's done so well and in such a context with a movie that doesn't have that kind of tone. Mm -hmm. You know, to have that kind of thing going was pretty cool. Because it has that, and then it also has like him realizing how dirt, like dorky, he looked, like cleaning his glasses like that at the table. <laughs> yeah, and like he also delivers, I think, like in that dinner scene, like that best joke about Captain Carnage, about Rorschach killing him by dropping him down an <laughs> elevator shaft. Yeah, <laughs> which at that point in time is completely believable to everyone watching. <laughs> yeah. Andy, do you have anything else you want to go with? Uh, Rorschach was also an excellent character. I like how you sort of see how he came about. Like you saw him as a little chap, you know, with his mom sort of, you know, selling herself in front of him and him sort of having to deal with all of her Johns. And you sort of get a little bit of his story in the middle where he just first becomes Rorschach and he was a little too, as he, as he said, what, too lenient to to the criminals too soft on them too, too soft on them yeah yeah and then you sort of see where uh i can't remember his alias not rorschach but his his actual walter name. kovacs yeah where he sort of died and like rorschach sort of took over and i also like how he sort of hid in plain sight with that uh the end mm -hmm. is nigh sign he's just keeping tabs on everybody as well he looks like he's just like one of those End of the end of the world naysayers. Yeah. Uh, did, anything did, else you want Rorschach's... me to? Gonna... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, no. Yeah, no. I'll, go, no, I'll, I'll go ahead and pass. I was just gonna keep going with Rorschach. He's really good, and he also has like a similar character arc to Don Draper from Mad Men. They both grew up kind of in a whorehouse, and then went on to do some great things, and then both ended up with an explosion of personality. Uh, Don Draper ended up with that famous Coca-Cola commercial in Rorschach exposes the even villain's plan to the last real newspaper in America. So all the characters in this film have a great story arc. Even the comedian who dies in the opening scene develops as a character throughout the film and really grows and you get to learn more about him and that he's not just a prick. He's a broken man. He, there was maybe never anything there in the beginning. He just was covering it up with alcohol and 
laughter, so to say. Adrian Fascism. Fascism. <laughs> well, I mean, it was Nixon or the commies. Who are you going to vote for? Yeah, yeah. Adrian, like you see, like just the the absolute like like they say that Doctor Manhattan is a god, you know, but Adrian thinks he is a god. Like Adrian thinks. Everything is just in his control of his brain, like literally comparing himself to Alexander the Great, Ozymandias, the Egyptian pharaoh, where that line came. He has he built a literal pyramid for his depth in the Antarctic after his crowning achievement of destroying 20 cities. He is such a narcissistic man, like he's the only one that develops the toy line, and it slowly builds over the film. You get to see what he does, and he literally plays God at a point by creating that cat creature. Not even just killing everyone. There's like multiple instances of it. And I think Zach, once again, did an amazing job bringing that all to life and letting it develop over two hours and 40 minutes. The shortest two hours and 43 minutes of my life. (laughs) I will agree. It does seem like Uh, it's one thing I don't think maybe I realized when I was watching it. But by the end of it, it's like every one of those characters, I think, has a very definitive arc that you can see throughout the movie, which I, I can appreciate when a movie actually not just gives you one successful character arc, but actually does it well for everybody that you see and, and invest time with. So I, I do appreciate that a lot, yeah. Because, like, part of it, too, is, like, so when uh, the comedian kills the pregnant la- the lady he impregnated in Vietnam, he attacks Dr. Manhattan by saying, you could have stopped that, you could have done all these things. And Dr. Manhattan doesn't respond, and I took that as Dr. Manhattan realizes if he does that, he's now taking away the comedian's personal agency. He's therefore removing that human choice from the world in that instance to someone that's basically on his level, therefore would elevate him to that godlike level. But at that point in Vietnam, John still kind of thinks of himself as a human and hasn't completely lost himself. That's why as the film goes further and forward, instead of interacting, he just draws himself away more and more to not to get to that level. He doesn't want to interact with the world anymore because he sees himself as beyond it, not like a god, like controlling everything, but as a watcher watching the world. I And I'd personally, I'd point out how good of a job Billy Crudup did as Dr. Manhattan because what he was given to work with there was a character that at some portions of the film, he's going to have to sound like he's interested and play this character or is, you know, as earlier on more human. And then as it goes on, the way he's able to play, you know, the disinterested God basically is incredible. Um, I, I thought his performance was fantastic and, you know, the character arc of Dr. Manhattan is so popular because of that, because, you know, you go from having this character that could care less about humanity to realizing that, you know, what makes every human being special is what makes us all different. And it's something that I, I think the movie conveys really well with that whole scene. Now, it there is something there I don't understand about the character um, in that scene. And when he says something like, I'll show you the world as I see it, but he shows her, but she sees her own past and she's somehow controlling that. And he's not really showing her anything except the ability to see her past. I don't necessarily understand that as a term, but still being able to go back and look at things and see that, you know, all these things that lead up, to human life 
are what makes us special, what makes people special, what makes the world special, and worth giving a shit about. That was an incredibly well-written arc and incredibly well-acted. And if you want to give Zack Snyder some credit for it, yeah, he directed it just He got the best performances he could have uh, in this scenario. You don't put Joel Schumacher out that and get this movie. <laughs> I, I, okay. This I took disagree. an auteur I... to put onto film and we succeeded because of said auteur, Zack Snyder. Okay. He yeah, deserves I can't all the that. credit I... in the world. I think, I think, yeah, Mike's right. I think all the actors did very good. And, you know, if you want to chalk that up to the director, director, I'm fine with that too. Yes. If, if, if you don't give credit to the director, why have one? We have a direction category. Why, he will get. Why aren't there will... just actors acting out in life? And that's film. And oh, because they need directed. They need directions. <laughs> you can't give the actor credit without giving the director credit. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not gonna disagree with Ian entirely on that. Um because you know you have to as a director, you have to recognize when you have the take. You have to recognize, you have to encourage people to do what they need to do. There is it is a lot there. That's a part of the reason I mean we all know why Hayden Christensen's performance comes off the way it does. It's because George Lucas didn't want to do extra takes on things. He thought they were good and they weren't. And it was a bad you know, thing, and it's it's there. Directors influence the performances. I will agree with that. Um, but again, as Brian said, we'll get to the director category. Uh, all right. So since we we're talking here and there about the director, we're just gonna go direction on this one. So we're gonna hit the direction category. So, uh, Ian, you want to take it for direction? So we have a film, and it's directed by. I would say the greatest director to ever grace this earth with his presence. We won't be on the millennium now because now, okay. Now see some people think you could put any schmuck out there and get these performances, get these design choices, get the flow of action that this movie has. And they would simply be wrong. This is Zack Snyder's greatest work of all time. It shows what he truly excels at, which is taking someone else's creation and putting it up on the big screen. Zack is a master of drawing the comic book, but in film, filming the comic book itself and bringing life into it. And that is what makes Zack an auteur. You see that throughout the film, every impactful scene is from the comic book, almost shot for shot recreated by Zack into film. And he does a masterful job at it. That's why I think compared to like BVS or Man of Steel, they are not as good as Watchmen because he doesn't have that backing, that thing to draw from, that inspiration, that well he drives into with all of his heart and soul and brings to life perfection. <laughs> I, I would say that the fighting scenes were amazing. The choice of when and how and how big explosions should be badass entirely. <laughs> I, I think he made sure every character got their arc. If you watch this and the extended cut, the ultimate cut, you can see scenes that were cut while they hurt the film. I think in some ways they weren't as he kept in everything he had to. He made the necessary cuts to make those big wigs at the studios happy, even though, as we know now from BVS, they fucked him. Justice League, they fucked him. (laughs) Zack Snyder is a god amongst us. He is the Dr. Manhattan of film. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's that's a mic drop moment, I think. Uh, Mike, what do you got? I I think there's a number of really good shots. A number, obviously, like I said, he got good performances out of people. And you know, in this case, I am with Ian on the director's performance. I think he did a fantastic job of taking somebody else's story and bringing it to life, which is what Zach does. That that's his thing is taking something that already exists and putting it on film. And I I think he did a really good job of that here. Um, now, this is where Ian's going to disagree with me, and I think part of it is, is because what Ian said, I'm just going to phrase it a different way. And I think he did so well because there's less Zack Snyder here and there's more Alan Moore. And I think that's why it works, for me, better than some of his other work. Um, having said all that, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, the flight of the Valkyrie scene. That's an amazing shot. Um, the entire sequence with the comedian and Vite at the beginning. Amazing. Um, you know, that iconic imagery that we get with, you know, the smiley face with the drop of blood on it. It's fantastic. You know, all of it there is done so well. Um, I mean, I, this is one of those times I can't find any fault in what he produced. And, you know, you know my opinions on Zack Snyder, and you guys know where I stand on that more so. Um, and I, I I don't know. I got, I got no issues with it. I think he did an excellent job. I think, you know, that montage he put in at the beginning... It's my favorite montage in any movie ever. Um, that uh, it's it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much else to say. I think he did a really good job in this. Okay. To speak to uh, Mike's point about there being more Alan Moore in this than Zack Snyder, I will say there are several other Alan Moore properties that have been adapted into feature films, including League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and V for Vendetta and Batman the Killing Joke, and none of them are of this quality. Therefore, once again, Zack Snyder brought to life is. is not as good as Watchmen. Zack Snyder breathed life into a child. And brought that child up into a man. <laughs> v for V for Vendetta is. Uh, Andy, what do you got for direction? Um, I like the direction. It was it, it had a the typical sort of dark feel that Zack Snyder brings to movies. Um, I enjoy that for the most part. The thing I didn't like, and I'm not sure if um, it's really a story thing or a direction thing but i think he spent too much time with the political aspects of it 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 was drawn out in the beginning and sort of in the middle with some of the political parts of it i thought okay see i feel like that's meant to set the tone and let you know that you're in a dystopian world right I, and kind of give you that, like a more i got a feel that feeling the first on. time he did it and then the, like the third and the fourth time I'm like I, I could really give a shit less at this point <laughs> i mean i i don't disagree with you that it's in there i i don't have a problem with it that it's core watchman's very political right and i can I, see why I, some I people that. wouldn't like that or think it went on too long i can see that right like i didn't need all and, of that. i feel like some of that stuff could have been cut but also, well, that was I, I probably think... the best Nixon performance we've ever had. 
No, that was good, but it just <laughs> that was a lot better than Frost Nixon. Even I think part of what you see, even like with what Nixon says to Doctor Manhattan, and what you get is like without winning the war in Vietnam, we would go crazy. And I think you know, I mean, they're trying to make a statement about like you know, this is what happens if things turned out differently. You know, and look at where we are now and look at where we, you know, look at this idea of what we could have become. And I, I think it's a good, personally, the politics that are at play in this movie, I think, is a good look and a good, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm, I'm just lost on the word I'm looking for here. But I, good, I don't know um, what word you're looking for either. I can't help you. Let's just call it parody of what the world has become. Okay. Um, Even at 2009, you know, and how crazy things had actually gotten versus how crazy they would be either way. And it's, you know, that human nature is going to lead us down these stupid paths no matter what kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm, you know, I will probably agree with you that this is Zack Snyder's best film. I think, I think it's far and away that. And I don't know if maybe just because it's more like something that that I think he he was. I don't know. It's it's not overdone yet. His style. I think this movie sort of perfected his style. I think BVS, Man of Steel. You start to wonder if it's if it's overkill or too much in some of those movies. But for whatever reason, it fits this style, this tone, this movie. Um, even the, like the slow mo stuff, I was unsure if I'd still like it by the end of the movie. But I was still into it. I still liked every time they did it. I thought it fit with the action, whatever they were trying to do. Um, and you know, regardless of what how you feel about Zack Snyder's direction, I think he c- composes a shot very cool, and and his imagery is very good. And sort of like what Mike was saying, Ian, you had said that Zack basically translated stuff from the comic book in the movie, which I'm assuming meant like comic book panels that are in the comic book are in this movie, which to Mike's point leads me to believe that Zach just composed the same shot from the book for the movie, which I don't know how much credit you can give to Zach doing it. Well, yes, but composing the shot itself. I don't know if you can give that to Zach. On, on that end of it, I would say it's the in between the panels stuff that he's getting. So right, because damn near every panel in the comic book is represented in this movie in some way. Okay, it's every memorable panel, um, if not like just most other panels. But it's the you know that in between the panels stuff that you don't get that I'll still give him credit for here. And I'd even give him credit just for that because I don't I can't think of any other movies that literally take a translation of a comic book visually <clears throat> into a movie like that. If they're if they're using every single panel from a book, or at least the very memorable ones that are in this said sort this story, I think that's an accomplishment in itself to make a coherent movie out of putting all those panels together in a in a motion picture, live action, even like if it was animated, I think you'd get away with a little bit more. But live action's got to be hard enough. So yes, I will I will agree with you, Ian. Yes, best Zack Snyder film. Uh, so that leads us with story. So who wants to tackle story first? This was okay. an amazing story. 
What did you say? I said it was an amazing story. <laughs> oh, I agree. Um, you know, the I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, like the story that Ellen Moore told, and it's is done so well, the character development and all that. But you know, the story of what happens in this dystopian future when you know the world doesn't turn out the way it did now, and we have a situation where someone like Nixon ends up being president multiple times. You have a situation where we won Vietnam because of a superhero. Um, those are really cool ideas. And then the idea of following Dr. Manhattan and getting this realistic take on how a superhero would view the world or how a superhero could end up being if they had realistic um, emotions. You know what I mean? Because I always felt that like there's certain things like with Superman that you get, it's just not realistic to me. Like, it, you know, I mean, Superman's cool. Superman has a lot of cool stuff, but a lot of the stuff we see Superman go through, he doesn't have realistic emotions. He doesn't have a wide range um, the way that a real person does. I feel like Batman does, but Batman's not Superman. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference there in terms of what you're dealing with, I guess, because Batman's just a man. Yeah. But getting to see, you know, how he copes with becoming what he is and how it drives him where it does and all that, I felt like that was a really good arc to follow for him specifically. And the moral question it brings up at the end of, you know, do the ends justify the means for what Vite tries to accomplish? You know, is world peace and saving the planet by killing 15 million people, they say. I It seems like the number of cities he attacked to be a lot more than 15 million people, even in the 80s. But all the same, he said 15 million. So, are 15 million people's lives worth saving the planet? Where it's, you know, not a guarantee that it's going to work. And not a guarantee that... It wouldn't have happened through some other means, you know? Yeah. So seeing like that ends justifying the means kind of idea put into a context that can make sense to just about anybody is really good. I I, I like what they did with it. Okay. Uh, Andy, what do you got on the story? Uh, I enjoyed the story. There were some parts that I guess confused me a little bit that I wish that were brought to light a little better. Um, for instance, um, Adrian killed the comedian because the comedian was watching all of the Watchmen for Nixon, correct? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the gist I got from the movie. So if Nixon knew what Adrian I feel like was... the comic book readers in this, in this call look very confused all of a sudden, so I don't right. know if that's right. <laughs> I, I didn't take it as he was watching them for Nixon. I t took it as he was paying attention, and then he started to investigate when he thought something was up, and he figured out what was going on with the cancer patients, and that Adrian was going to try and, like, use them against Dr. Manhattan in some way. Okay. He figured that out, then he also figured out that, like, Adrian had a list of, like, an execution list, a blacklist of people he was going to eliminate, 
that were involved in Dr. Manhattan in a significant way that not only were one to like, as Mike said, to turn Dr. Manhattan away from humanity, so ever that connection, like with the cancer thing, but also people that could interfere with the plan in general. Yeah. Because, I mean, and they show that with Vite, like, intentionally giving, uh, you know, his ex-wife cancer. Uh, so I, I think that's what the comedian figures out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how he ends up following the trail. I don't recall. I don't know if they really established that, but then... Like, the reason, because originally Adrian's letting him go because he doesn't think he'll spoil it, but when he breaks into that guy's house and drunkenly tells, starts telling him stuff, he realizes he can't afford to let the comedian live anymore. Okay. Because he might just get drunk and tell someone. <laughs> <laughs> I was under the impression that he was actually, like, in service to watch mm-hmm. them, like... No, only uh, Rorschach is... No one's telling Rorschach to do it. Rorschach's just watching everyone because he's a weirdo. Because <laughs> he's Rorschach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could have sworn there was a, a conversation piece when Adrian was sort of like rehashing like his whole plan, you know, that he was telling Night Owl and Rorschach that he actually said, you know, like the comedian was working for Nixon and he had his eye on us and that's why I had to kill him. He discovered too much and he was going to crack. My question is if he was if he was watching them for Nixon, um, why wouldn't Nixon have known? Because he didn't tell him. Yeah, that it's it's like he maybe not didn't get to like what was Adrian actually doing. He just knew Adrian was doing something. There's a lot of things, especially I mean, even this Nixon. Do you trust him? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's where I'd say the comedian's kind of a wild card in mm-hmm. that. You don't really know what that guy's going to do. You know what I mean? And I don't think that he's the type that would just rat on people that he used to work with without knowing everything. I think part of it, too, is is that at it, at the core, the comedian kind of agrees with Adrian's plan. He just doesn't have the stomach for it. Yeah. Okay. Like, that's why he's cracking. That's why, like, when they're doing the riots thing, he's like, brother, this is the American dream. I guess the only oh yeah he he's voiced by Hulk Hogan in my head. <laughs> I guess the only other story aspect that I would have to say is it's a little disappointing at the end that Adrian doesn't really get any like comeuppance. Yeah, well, in fact, that's I, kind he, of it. In fact, he grows his empire even larger, <laughs> which is I think half of his plan to do. I feel like the end of it, you're sort of it's open ended, like yeah. the fact that. Rorschach's journal shows up at the paper like you could take mm-hmm. that story anywhere you want and they did with the TV show took it somewhere yep so how that's another question I guess I have is the TV show that takes place after the events of the movie correct I think 35 years later yes. okay yeah and that's after the journal is published in the newspaper of record okay yes all right because I feel like I'm going to have to watch this series after watching this movie it's very Unfortunately, good. it's also been canceled so yeah, I knew it was only one season, so that that's a lot easier to, for me to get into. And the fact that now I'm coming off Watchmen fresh, mm-hmm. I'm like, I should just dive in and go for it. So, it's good. I've heard good things, so I'm I'm anxious to start it. Um, so I think well, I th- part I of I want to the... make sure Ian gets in here. We didn't get Ian in here yet for story. So go ahead. 
I just want to say on Andy's point though about Adrian not getting his comeuppance, I think that's part of that. The, what makes Watchmen work so well is you're you're like like he says when he tells them the plan, he's like I wouldn't tell you guys my whole master stroke and give you an opportunity to stop it. Consequences don't come right away for things this dangerous, this powerful, someone like Adrian. They take years and years for consequences to actually happen to people. I think it gives that real-world perspective that Watchmen was doing this fresh breath of air. It is a brilliant tale from beginning to end that was masterfully brought to life by one of the <laughs> foremost human beings I think this country has ever seen. Uh, my comment was just going to be about Vite not getting his comeuppance is it's kind of one of those things where Dr. Manhattan, John, he's not going to see a point in it because it's already done. What he did was already done. I think he would, I think Dr. Manhattan might've stopped him if he knew what was happening. He might've prevented it from happening if it wasn't already done, but having already had it done, you know, they can't publicly go after him. Otherwise, all those people died for nothing. You know, like, and there's no chance for it to work. So, backing them into a corner where they can't publicly go after him puts them in a spot where the only one who could do something and actually do something is Dr. Manhattan. And he's not going to do it. Yeah, the only thing he does is he makes red snow out of Rorschach. <laughs> well, that's because Rorschach wasn't going to stand for it. Rorschach was going to go, you know, tell the world. And Rorschach kind of wanted to die at the end. So it's it's a weird, like, moral dilemma for them at the end. And I think it's an interesting place to leave it, personally. Like, I, I like that they left it with a moral dilemma, but... Um, that's a preference choice, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I know we lost our timer, but there was a couple things at least I want to chime in too. Uh, the I, fe- I felt the 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 world building and like the the alternate reality version of the world that they set is really cool. Um, and again, it's it's hard to credit this movie because it's based on the comic book. So I don't know if I should be giving credit for the story to the comic book, like Alan Moore, if I should be giving credit to Zack Snyder for translating said story into a movie, but. For the sake of argument, we'll just give it to both. Every you know, story in both is cool. Um, the only thing that I sort of felt distracted by in this story for the movie was the flashbacks for Doctor Manhattan. Like the story's moving linearly, and then like random points, it would flash back to fill in backstory. And it's it's good information to have. It helps flesh out the story, but just the the pacing of it, I think, distracted me a little bit. Do you mean like specifically the flashbacks when he was like a regular person? Or do you mean like kind of all the flashbacks? Sort of all of them. Okay. Yeah, I guess just Dr. Manhattan story is the first one that pops up to me, but I know there were other flashbacks splintered and littered out throughout the, the story. I think part of that is trying to illustrate, like, Dr. Manhattan says TC's time differently. But right. Part of it's also trying to illustrate, like, his worldview almost where time happens simultaneously at all times for him. That's why when he tries to show it to Lori, like, he just shows her a very vivid scene of her past, and he's like, that's my always is always living everything, you know? Yeah. Like, that's what he tries to illustrate, but, like, her mind isn't advanced enough to comprehend it. Fair. So okay. I, I think that's part of what the... 
the story is trying to do is just weave in that he's living all of these at once, and I think it does a good job of when to flash back and when not to. Like, it then it kind of almost ties into what happens next in the story, you know? Right. Like the flashbacks is then set up the next present day thing. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, And just more, I guess, for the, for the comic book readers and uh, Mike and Ian, have you guys watched the ultimate cut or just the theatrical cut? I watched the ultimate cut, I think, a week before we watched this one for this, just to make sure. Mike, have you watched the extended cut? Yeah. Okay. Many times. So then, Andy, you didn't watch the ultimate cut, right? You just did theatrical? I just did theatrical, yeah. Okay. Uh, So, more for Ian and Mike. What are the differences between ultimate cut and theatrical? Because I don't know what I'm missing because I haven't seen the ultimate cut yet. Does it, like, change the story drastically, or is it just added scenes in the movie? Um, well, first there's an entire animated portion mm-hmm. that gets added. Um, and it's not really like, it's, it's one of those big brain connection things you kind of have to make. It's not really like directly connected to any of the story or any of the, um, characters that you see in this normal theatrical cut. And they're tied to, you actually see the characters when New York blows up, there's a kid on the street and a street vendor who sells comic books that you get a bit of a story with where the kid's reading the comic books and this is, you know, the cartoon that he's, or the, you know, the animated version that you're seeing is the comic book that he's reading. Okay. And then it's story kind of like has a moral tied to the, the overarching story. So does that's, that's a, does something like that happen in the comic book, like the graphic, not the, the actual Watchmen series. Um, so the the characters are there. I don't remember personally if you get to see what the kid's reading in the comic book. Okay. I'm not. I don't. Ian, do you recall? I mean, that? you see what he's reading. It's the same book, but they don't go into that level of detail. Where here's the story of the Black Freighter in the Watchmen comic book. No. Okay, so okay. it's the the whole animated section is created for the ultimate cut. It's not something translated from the comic book. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a vague idea from the comic book that then has its own. And they made it basically way. into the same kind of thing. Like at the end, like is Adrian a monster? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what that. And then you piece that together when you're watching it that, oh, shit. And so it's also, it's, it's got like a little Lovecraftian X element to it, too, which I appreciate. Well, it, it, I think it plays in multiple sections, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's broken up. Yeah. Yeah, it plays like a lot of the other things in the film. Like, you'll get separated from those characters for a bit, and it'll come back, and they'll be, you know, the next day or down the line or whatever, and he picks up the next issue okay. kind of thing. And then you get more of the story. Um, As far as other changes, I know there's certain, like, I, I think I talked about before the show, like, censorship changes mm-hmm. um, to a lot of Rorschach's dialogue specifically. And things that he says about the world and people and things like that get changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's easier to do when someone's in a mask and you can't really read their lips when they're talking. It's it's, it's already ADR'd. Yeah. 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 It, it, I mean, he says some pretty awful things. About, his view on the world is pretty messed up. And some of the things you hear him saying, you know, the theatrical cut get much worse. Um, in the 
extended cut. Gotcha. Um, and then I think some scenes are obviously extended a bit, mm-hmm. but beyond that, I'm not sure. I I can't recall like specifics. Anything else I you remember, I- Ian? From the... A lot of the things that get cut, like he was saying with Rorschach's dialogue, I think, just reinforce that even though this isn't an alternate world, it's not vastly different than our own. There's still a lot of, like, misogyny, homophobia ideas. Like, that's what Rorschach spouts. He calls Adrian, like, he s- suspects he's a, he's gay, and that's kind of why he's a bad guy at one point. Like, uh, one of the scenes that does get cut is when the original Silk Spectre, uh, during her at the attempted rape of the comedian on her, um, after they break it up, the one character says to the original Silk Spectre, cover yourself up now. Immediately afterwards, you know, <laughs> it's enforcing that this is, yeah, a different world, but it's not drastically different than our own. They yeah. both kind of have their parts that suck, and I think it helps keep that grounded reality where, yeah, there's not a Dr. Manhattan in our world, but you can see what happens when good men stop caring or bad men are allowed to do stuff unchecked. Yeah. Like it, it keeps us in that, like, hey, there's there's stuff in this story that I, I think really speaks to it. And I think one of the big things that Zack Snyder wanted to do that he uh, took from Alan Moore's original writing, uh, Zack Snyder really brought to life that um, it's a story about regular people, not super people. It's a story about just people living through a world. And I, I think that one of the greatest creations God has ever made on this planet, Zack Snyder, really <laughs> illustrated that beautifully in the film Watchmen. Uh, last question for me. How closely does this movie story uh, reflect the comic book story? Vast differences, or are they largely the same? Uh, as I said before, it's almost panel for panel. The only difference is really, I think, the ending is they change... The movie does Dr. Manhattan Explosions, comic book is Alien Invasion. Okay, gotcha. From giant octopus monsters. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's I like the a Dr. Lot more Manhattan sexual. Explosions uh, better, personally. Actually, I, I, yeah. I thought that worked better. I think that that's the thing. We, we were giving more a lot of credit and Zach not enough credit for his adaptation, but I think his one significant change of changing it into Dr. Manhattan destroying the world makes for a better story I, I think it really illustrates the dangers of having someone like superman around and that we really need to rein in these goddamn supermen and these goddamn spider-man <laughs> running around the goddamn city <laughs> and those teenage mutant ninja turtles who would let those fucks run around don't even Hell's spin this kitchen? back to the turtles goddammit! you leave them out of Fuck this the turtles <laughs> <laughs> and i was about to give you some points for zack snyder's uh adaptation choices for this movie. I don't <laughs> know. I'm, I'm second guessing it now. I, I know you meant it though. <laughs> um, all right. So one of the final questions we always ask at the end of this is, does this movie hold up? And I guess sort of tying into that, do you think it ever held up? So in 2009, did this movie hold up then? And you know, 10, 11 years later, does it still hold up? I think I know where Ian's going to go. So I'm going to start with Andy. Uh, yes, I still enjoyed it uh, just as much as I uh, the first time I saw it. Okay. Mike? I Honestly, I like this movie more every time I watch it. So, I pick up new things. You know, little subtleties or things like that. And yeah, everything holds up. Nothing doesn't look good. Nothing doesn't play well. I like yeah. it. Ian? This is simply... One of the greatest films of all time created by 
possibly the greatest use of atoms to ever happen in the <laughs> known universe. And I, it stood up at the time as the greatest superhero movie of all time, and it stands up in here the January 6, 2021 is still the greatest superhero movie of all time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a high bar. Um, you know, I, again, I never saw this movie when it came out. I've caught pieces of it in the last couple of years on television and stuff like that. So this is still like sort of my first time watching it. And I, I would agree. I think this does hold up from what anything that I remember. I think it holds up compared to today's superhero movies, anything we've gotten recently. Um, nothing feels dated to me here. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't go as far as saying the best superhero movie ever. I don't think I'm going to give it that title, but, uh, it is, it is, it's up there for me. I did like it a lot. Uh, so we're going to spin the ratings. So out of 10, Ian, I'm going to start with you out of 10. What do you give this movie? 10. Fair. I figured that was, that was quick and easy. Uh, Mike (laughs) out of 10. 9.7. Oh, okay. Andy? I'm going to give it um, an 8. All right. I am going to go with a 9 for this movie. Again, I was surprised, surprised how much I liked it, ever. but I, it's it's up there. What? You'll never believe it's our highest rated movie ever. we got to get Josh's rating 9.18. so we can confirm that. Yeah, we'll have, to get, we'll have to get Josh to send us his rating. No, 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 no. Just like when Andy misses, it doesn't <laughs> count. It's, okay. It's recorded okay. as a DNR. <laughs> and this movie is a full four points better than Constantine. Do, four points. Do not resuscitate, Jesus. Yeah, when you're dead, you're dead. That's what this movie taught us. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Josh will give us his rating in the comments of Facebook. So we will, whether it's legit in the spreadsheet or not, he will still give it to us. And I welcome his rating when it, when the time comes. Um. All right. So we have finished Watchmen. That wraps up our discussion for Watchmen. Uh, so now is the time where we go to the Wheel of Fate to pick our next Wheel movie. Wheel of Fate. Oh, so Very you good. Edit that in. Very good. <laughs> you edited in Josh saying that. Andy just did it. I think. Wheel I think that's gold. Oh, uh, well, I, I was. I was thinking about asking before I knew Andy was going to come out here and just stomp <laughs> on our throats with his perfectness. I. I you Andy, know what? Josh got cut again. <laughs> Brian was going to say it the first time, so I didn't do it the first time. Andy won't improv his bits, but he'll totally take care of her, uh, take over other people's bits. So it's it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so on the board still, we have our two franchises, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Swamp Thing. Uh, our four standalone movies right now are Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, Supergirl, Atomic Blonde showed up last time, and replacing Watchmen is 2019's The Kitchen, which I think most of us did not even realize was a comic book rough. movie, uh, but is now on the list. Do you know anything about that? Other than some of the actresses involved, no. I just want to know, can someone confirm to me if the kitchen means Hell's Kitchen? I assume okay. it does, yes. Do you think it is a Daredevil prequel? No, because I think it's a DC property. Okay. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. The little bit that I sort of kind of remember. Um, Alright, so we're going to get the wheel ready. You guys can see the wheel, correct? Technically. <laughs> What do you mean, technically? Do you only see part of it, or do you see all of no, it? No, it's it's just small. Okay. Well. It's fine. It's it's good as it's going to get right now. I made my screen bigger. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Time to spin the wheel. Any guesses what, it, what we think we're getting? Swamp Thing. 
You just want to get it off the board? <laughs> Swamp thing. Get guesses? I'm guessing we're getting Supergirl. I want us to get Valerian. But we're I would, get yeah, Supergirl. I think Valerian would probably be my pick because I just, it's one of those movies I keep talking about that I haven't seen that I should just knock it off the list. So I'm trying to wait until we actually get to do it. Atomic Blonde. I would like to see that again. I mean, I'd watch that again. I've never seen it, so. Oh, Andy. Yeah! You got yeah! Woo! You! There you go. Woo -woo! Atomic Blonde, it is. Victory. Ian, I feel like this is one of the first ones you talked about whenever we talked about doing this. You were like, you just had just watched it, I think, when we decided to do this and put it yeah, on the wheel. I, yeah, that's the first time I had seen it was when we started to do this whole thing. Well, there you go. This you is also, revisit. not only will I have seen this before, this will also be the second film I've seen before, and they're back-to-back -back films. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I guess for you, Turtles then. too, but who, who cares about that movie? Oh, another dig at the Turtles, man. Come on. Wait till we get to the kitchen and I call that a better Hell's Kitchen movie. Oh, terrible. All right. Well, uh, that's that's where we're going to end this one. So uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Uh, you can follow, subscribe to keep up with the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, hopefully in where you find a podcast, you can find us. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, search Bry Guy and Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. You can try to email us, BryGuySuperFriends at gmail.com. I won't check it. It's legit, but I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at JediBryGuy. You can also follow me on Twitch, also at JediBryGuy. Uh, whenever we decided to go live again for the podcast, we will be live there. Uh, we'll figure it out at some point. I still, it's it's one of those still things. Never plug yourself at the beginning of the I show. Sh I should, but I feel like if they listen this long, then maybe they'll get there. I don't know. I it feels weird to me to promote myself at the beginning with everybody else. I don't know. I always like to save myself for last. I mean, let, letting them know where they can watch the live shows would be helpful. At the True. Beginning. Maybe I'll have to start adding myself into the the beginning stuff. Um. All right, so either way, on behalf of Andy, E, and Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Love you, Simple Nation. <laughs>